0: Welcome to the Masculinity Podcast, conversations about masculinity, men, and our relationships with them. My name's Mel, and I invite you to pop the kettle on, make a mug of your hot beverage of choice, and join us for a relaxed and open conversation. So I'm very excited for this episode of the Masculinity Podcast to have Tanil Gabe and Sheldon Kitzel with me. Uh, these two incredible humans are part of the team that is putting on the Reimagining Masculinity Conference down in Victoria. Tanil is someone I've known for a number of years now. Uh, she's a lover of humans. She's an intimacy coach and coordinator. She's a sexuality educator. She is a curriculum developer, an advocate, a community leader, a creative producer, an artist uh, <laughs> I think it's safe to say, an all round badass. In the past five years, she has educated and worked with over 4,000 people uh, on the topics of healthy sexuality and relationships. Down in Victoria, she's known as the uh, local consent captain, and she supports events to create safer spaces and to educate communities on the nuances around consent. Uh, you can visit her website, tanilgabe.ca. That's T-A-N-I-L legei to learn more about what she does. And then Sheldon. Uh Sheldon is a leadership coach, a social worker, and an educator. And this conversation is actually the first time that we're properly meeting, which is exciting. Uh, his work provides inspiration for clients through energy, insight, and enthusiasm and is centered on an evidence-based practice and a response-based principles. He works from a place where it is evident that sexualized violence is in our current social malaise covertly taught as acceptable to boys and to girls. As many others have expressed, sexualized violence is a men's issue. And as such, he works towards re-educating boys and men to step out of those gendered boxes and put a stop to violence in every form. So thank you so much, both of you, for making this time to have this conversation.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for having
2: us.
0: So I want to start by asking a little bit more about the conference. So the conference, uh, the first edition of the conference was last year, and I, I had the uh, privilege to go to that, and it was an incredible one-day event that I actually had to go back in my diary and check, was it really just one day? Because it felt like it was multiple days, there was so much richness in there. Where did the inspiration for hosting this conference come from?
1: That was something that uh, I guess it, it's something that's kind of been on my mind for a while. One day, I was uh, I was having coffee with Jeremy Loveday, who's one of the uh, city councilors here in Victoria, and uh, we were talking about a whole bunch of things. And I asked him at one point, just kind of like, "Hey, like if you just could do anything, what would it be?" And he said, "Well, I've always wanted to put on a men's conference." And I said, me too. I want to do that too. So uh, that was like, I guess, two years ago now, a little, little more than two years ago. And we kind of mulled it over over the summer and put, you know, put together a couple of folks that could help us with, uh, you know, with visioning and with kind of getting things rolling And uh, and then brought some other folks on. On the team, like Tennille a little later on in the process, and uh, put that thing together, and and it was and it was really interesting because, you know, when we first started talking about it, we we were just thinking generally in terms of of uh, you know what what could we do to help you know move this conversation about about men and uh, and our sort of propensity or our our. our Beliefs about our our um, that we're we're kind of entitled to have whatever we want and do what we want and and you know all those things that that, that we know tend to sometimes lead to violence from on, on our part. Mm. And then as as we got into the process, uh, a lot of things broke that fall. A lot of things broke around that Me Too movement. And it, and so it, it was very very timely that we were we were putting this together at the same time that that stuff was happening.
0: Wow! Yeah, what an amazing synchronicity to already have this in motion when the media began to explode with attention around these issues.
1: Yeah, it was it was kind of kind of weird. Like as as we're meeting, having these meetings, uh, weekly meetings to to get our thoughts together and our plans together. And then we'd come to the meeting and go, my goodness, did you, did you see what happened this week? And like, this is all just kind of like happening while we're planning this. It was, uh, it was, it was really something.
0: Did that change the shape of the conference or the content that you were bringing in?
1: I guess it didn't really change the shape or the content. I don't think, I, I think it was just like, um, we we had a little bit more of a mindfulness around <clears throat> what it was we were a part of and what we we're bringing to the table, and um, I think that's more about what it was rather than oh now we have to start focusing on this thing or that thing because it mm-hmm. was because by the time this stuff broke, we'd sort of already had our discussion around what our values were, what our mission and vision was. And so that's what we wanted to continue to be guided by, is just that now we have this whole mindfulness that out in the world, this is what's been happening. This is what people are starting to to become aware of and be willing to talk a little bit more about.
0: And Tanil, for you coming into this conference, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the people involved in the team and the presenters are masculine folks, Mm -hmm. and you are there as a femme presenting human in the world. And what was that experience like for you? Yeah,
2: thanks for the question. Uh, Yeah, I was asked by Nick Sandor, who's one of our um, co-organizers and has been one of my collaborators since I've been in Victoria. He works at Island Sexual Health through um, his program Man Made as well. And he reached out asking if I would be a presenter around consent um, and maybe even do a workshop around healthy relationships. And so I was like, oh, I'm super interested. And um, they invited me to an organizing meeting which actually was the kind of turning point because I thought I'd be just like, Oh, a a presenter or a workshop facilitator that day. Um, And when I got into the meeting, it just felt like the right place to be for connection. And I mean, I grew up with three older brothers (laughs) and so actually being around masculine folks or masculine identified folks is really comfortable for me more so than feminine folks. And so that that wasn't really a, a new thing for my energy anyways. But what I was really attracted to, and when they asked me to actually become an organizer, was that I just get to every week or every couple of weeks meet with this group of people that really were inspired to do something together that was important for our like local culture and society and really important conversations and I really appreciated that each time we meet we do a, like a really thorough check-in before we get to organizing and I think that that was really an eye opener and a really big vulnerability welcome I think is like when we meet How are we showing up and what's affecting us in our lives? What are we excited about? What's really stressful right now? And then how can we show up in organizing for this space? And so I thought that was really powerful. And that's primarily why I kept going back (laughs) um, into the space is through the connection of all of these people um, and the vulnerability that we got to spend every week creating together
0: that's beautiful I really love that even in the process of creation there's that sense of practicing what you preach of wanting to embody the the change you want to see in the world yeah 100% (laughs) exactly
1: that you know like if you have a look at what our values are and our mission and all that like it really is about being what we what we think we should be like being that change you know, leading by example, uh, having a um, almost like a, a mentoring relationship to mm. uh, our masculinity and to our our uh, I guess chain, I guess come just comes back to being being a mentor to that change that we want to see in the world. And so, how how does that look? Who are we being when we show up for? Uh, planning and doing our planning and so forth. So yeah, I'm I'm really glad that that you know hearing Tanil say that that that's actually what what kept drawing her back into the in into it.
0: And I'm curious because you know I've I've talked to some people who do like men's groups and men's work and those are uh, gender exclusive spaces. It's very different to create a coed space. Where you have other genders interacting, um, and I, I personally think that that's an important piece. I mean, if if men are just going away and doing men's work and never interacting with feminine folks within mm-hmm. the, that context, it feels to me like there's a piece missing. But I'm I'm wondering in terms of like the practical application. How I mean, did you, Sheldon, feel that like having uh, someone who's uh, feminine on your team made a difference did you notice a difference in the energy of a conference and Mm -hmm. and for you to know like how did you feel that you were received by the men who were doing this work
1: we actually had um, a, a female like a we had a woman on our team right from the very beginning and so it didn't seem like it was anything different or out of the ordinary for us I think I think there's space for both ways of of approaching men's work, I think it's important for us to, if particularly in this kind of situation with a with a with a, a conference like this, to ha- you know have the voices of people who were of of women, the voices of people who are uh, people of color, indigenous people in the whole planning piece, in order to really kind of have a well rounded presentation of the issues but also like having those men's groups that are doing men's work just for men is vitally important as well
2: yeah um I think oh it's just it's really incredible the way that I was received because I think when I was invited in there was already um an importance placed on that and I felt that instead of kind of being like voluntold a lot of things, really you could show up and contribute the things that you really wanted to. And I haven't had a lot of those experiences before. Usually it's like, oh, you're so capable. and Like, let's do everything. Um, Whereas this was more like, what are you actually interested in doing? And what can, what do you have to offer? Um, And that that felt really good. And I even feel like even within our conversations, I really had ample space to talk and be seen and heard. Um, So that was, I think, really important as well. Um, And I, I keep on I think this year has been a bit different for us. We've had like a few folks that are kind of more in side roles and we have been trying to diversify the team a lot more. Um, this past year Mm -hmm. and I think to like just having more trans folks and you know I I mean I don't know what I consider myself day to day but at least there's space for me to be a gender creative gender fluid person in that way when I want to be (laughs) and so it actually Mm -hmm. feels like Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. like more where I can be instead of like a gender binary split either way it really, it makes me feel more comfortable there. And I think, Mel, what you're saying about, I, I and I agree, Sheldon, the men going off doing men's work is so vital. It's so needed. And um, one group that I'm, like, blown away by is Manology in Vancouver, um, run by David Hatfield. And one thing that was super beautiful is that I think once a term or once every Couple months or something, they do an all genders, um, topic so that anyone can come into their like you know sacred space that they've created. But they want to welcome people into that space and actually, yeah, bounce off of each other and heal and ask really interesting questions. And I thought that those those moments were so powerful of when everyone's in the room together Mm -hmm. and in a space that is held in that vulnerable masculinity. I think it's just, it's just overwhelmingly beautiful. That's cool. That
0: sounds beautiful. And, and in what both of you are describing and the dynamic of this team that's put together this conference, I'm hearing that there's a lot of really beautiful relationship building that not just the external relationships, but building the relationships with oneself too, which I think is incredible because, I mean, for me, both as a relationship coach and as someone who's organized events too, I'm always looking at like, this isn't necessarily about the event, Mm -hmm. it's about the relationships we create along the way, or at least that's a big piece of it. And it sounds like you've got that. There's there's personal growth that's coming for everybody who's involved. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs)
1: I, I hope so too. And it definitely comes across that way. And I and I don't mean that in any kind of disparaging way, because we all have like these super busy lives. And I think, you know, like it's and I, we see each other once a week or once every couple of weeks or whatever it is for planning. And we don't really hang out socially, but definitely. I feel like I really know her. And that I really like have a connection and same thing with the other folks on the team. Like we're just, we don't like, there's this type of relationship that isn't something that is, you know, daily or week or, or, you know, more than that, more than the once a week planning stuff, but it, but the connection is more than that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm coming across super clear on that, but it's, uh,
2: yeah. Well, I think it's also important to say like even the people that might not be showing up every week or don't have the capacity or um, are still helping us plan from the outsides. But we're more involved last year. Like when I see them out and about, there's like, yeah, like a deeper connection than just like saying acquaint- a acquaintance yeah. or something. So, yeah, I definitely I definitely feel like that. And that like in a in a personal way or a professional way, I feel like if i was in a bind or needed a reference or needed support in anything that any of any of the people on the organizing committee would just be there for me so i think that that's also a really beautiful aspect
0: so i i'm curious for you sheldon how do you envision that a reimagined masculinity might look
1: i think it's something that is an ongoing um, evolution we we don't have a uh, in our vision we don't have what is what we would consider the goal of what masculinities is to look like because i think it's just an ever evolving kind of thing Uh, as as humans you know we're 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 constantly learning. We're constantly adding to each other's base of knowledge and, and ideas around how our world is. And so mm. this is no different. You know, the, we may have had um, a really long run of patriarchy, uh, but the patriarchy that we've had a long run of has evolved over that time. And now, hopefully, as it's coming to its end, there will be a, a long run of whatever the next form of masculinities, much more inclusive form of masculinities looks like.
0: I really appreciate that you're approaching this with that questioning mind rather than uh, settling on a on a unified vision and sort of uh, obligating everything to fall in line with that. Mm hmm. I really appreciate that.
1: I guess the only obligating piece would be that we move towards a, a mask, a type of masculinity that is inclusive, that has more um, depth to it. Um, I mean, you know, we, we often, as you know, hear the the term toxic masculinity and, and it's, you know, it comes with all kinds of baggage now. Um, I like to talk about it as, more like a one-dimensional masculinity, and what we're looking for is mm. something that is multidimensional. It's it and so we've intentionally pluralized masculinities in in our name. It's because there it, it it has to be inclusive, whatever it is, whatever it looks like.
0: There's more than one way to express your masculinity.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: beautiful. That's fascinating because one of I mean I I've noticed. And some of the male clients that I'm working with and also with some of my my masculine friends, there's, um, you know, they're, they're running against the edges of that box of masculinity that society has given them. And they're trying to break open that box and then they don't know what else to explore. Like um, in terms of emotional expression, I've seen some guys really struggle to be able to access emotions other mm-hmm. than anger. Um, mm. Any any kind of shadow emotion, whether it's fear or sadness or grief, gets uh, transmuted into anger because it's the only one they're familiar with, and I I think it's this uh, it's incredibly sad. Like it gives me a lot of grief uh, for myself that I um, that they're stuck that in that place, and I, I see that you know, they realize this is the problem. They're like, I need to access more of my emotional range, more of that emotional diversity in myself, but they don't yet know how to actually do that. Like the, the tools for accessing that aren't in their hands yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm curious, like, what do you each do when you run into that with, uh, the, the men you're working with?
2: Hmm. Great question. (laughs) I think, um, one of the most powerful things through a couple of clients they're learning right now is that if they start expressing themselves fully, it's, it's coming with great rewards and great rewards are connection Mm -hmm. are pursuing the thing that makes them happy and people accepting it. It looks like, you know, one client like has been really, excited about growing a career but in a different way you know so it's like he's still utilizing oh like i am a masculine identified person and like i'm going to grow faster than say maybe other folks but in what way am i doing that and am i holding myself with integrity and am i showing up and actually expressing what's on my real mind and my heart and my soul and so I think that that's what's really quite special right now is people are maybe taking that scary step forward and and trying to express themselves and I find that in the folks that I've been closely working with is that they're getting they're getting some sort of reward out of that, and I think that that's really exciting.
1: The way that I experience, whether it's uh, colleagues or clients is that you know men want to be expressive in some way. They want to have uh they want to you know rid themselves of the anger or rid themselves of whatever that energy is that that they've got going on. And you know they I think it's that they don't have the 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 verbiage to do that or to feel confident in doing that. Um, I often find like whenever I whenever I do a group, I, I have a I, I do a group on anger and um, it's what I find in those groups because they're not those groups are, are co ed and mm. <clears throat> not all the not all the women that come into those groups, but many, many women identified people have, like, the verbiage to say what it is that it, that is going on. And they talk, they, they say a lot of it. And the men, even when you try and prompt them and try and, like, move them through it, they just, it's like they just don't have the, maybe they've never been taught it, maybe they've never been allowed to or encouraged to express it or say something about it, but whatever it is, They want to, and they don't know what to do about the feelings and how to, like what to say about them. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So some, so they, they often say nothing or they, you know, kind of express anger about it Mm -hmm. or -hmm. frustration. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's usually a, some kind of spectrum of anger from, you know, just feeling frustrated to being really, really pissed off.
0: Mm. And I I think in the, that anger, uh, that anger provides the seeds for violence. Right. And I, as you're talking and describing the situation, I'm I'm sort of getting some insights about how we're in the mess we're in, so to speak in our society that um, I've always thought of it, like there's an emotional pie and, there's all these different slices that are different emotions and people who've been socialized as girls, as women are allowed the whole pie, except mm-hmm. for this one slice of anger. Right. Because if women who express anger are just trouble. Um, at least that's what society tries to say. But then the men are allowed that piece of anger, but they're not allowed to access any other emotions. Boys are not allowed to show like they're not allowed to cry um, they're, they're not allowed to be sad about things There there's that, you know, got to man up about it. And so it ends up that all they're left with is, is the anger.
2: That's interesting because when I was thinking about anger, like exactly what you just said, Mel, like being socialized as female or a girl or a woman, like I thought, like I was so disconnected from anger for so long because I thought it, anger equaled violence. And it wasn't until I took a workshop on anger, like three years ago, and it was still hard for me, that I like found anger as like, Oh, it's an actual emotion feeling that I can own. But it actually doesn't have to be violent. And that was the first time I had to do that mm-hmm. on learning. And now I would say, Okay, maybe I can understand anger more or feel it But then yet again, it's still really hard to find that way to express it in a healthy way. You know, I I remember this time where it's just like such a cute story. Like one of my exes was just like playing with my hair. My friends were over for dinner and like he kind of started just to yank it, but not like purposely to hurt me. And I was like, all I said, I was like, please be aware that you're pulling my hair. You know, and instead of like actually being a little frustrated and pissed off and mean, like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, um, so that's like interesting. Like now, if someone was playing my hair and it actually hurt, I I think I could like maybe not be so chill about it. Like I could be like, well, that actually really hurts. Can you like, what are you doing? Can you check yourself? <laughs>
1: I always see anger as like one of our biggest emotions, you know, so, and, and it encompasses so many things because so many, so many other emotions are the precursor to anger. Mm-hmm. If we feel like if like mm. loss can be the seed for anger, sadness can be a seed for anger. Uh, fear, fear is a huge seed for anger. So anytime we've, we've, we start to feel afraid in some way, we, we, we often, resort to to anger and so um i think it's really important that people understand how human emotion works in that way in order to understand what the heck is going on and it sounds like like when tineo when you took that that course a couple years ago on on anger that that's that really showed you that this is actually a part of who i get to be I like we. that's, it's a piece of my emotional makeup is actually getting to be getting a chance to be angry and do it in a way that is, you mm-hmm. know, honoring me and honoring the people around me. Yeah. And, and, and men don't understand that either because we, we just often will react in anger to any kind of negative thing. And instead of mm-hmm. feeling grief, we just go straight to anger. Instead of feeling loss, we go straight to anger. And we we don't realize that there's like this whole other piece of our emotional makeup that we can access or at least try to access or think about for a minute.
0: Mm. I'm thinking back to what you said earlier, Sheldon, around mentorship. And um, I, I think it's Stephen Jenkinson who talks about the need for elders in our society and, and I think about how challenging it is for for men to do what you're describing, like to access those different emotions when there just isn't enough role modeling of that around yeah,
1: yeah, that's for sure um, wouldn't that be amazing if we had like better role modeling as you know fathers and other male people in our in our uh, children's lives that they could actually see people who who do things differently.
0: I just to share a little bit of my own personal uh, nerding out um, that I do. So I, you know, I've, I've, I've had a pretty good relationship with my dad, but it's been challenging over the years. And I, I realized I was watching Star Trek recently. I don't know how familiar each of you are with Star Trek, Um, Mm -hmm. but I realized that Captain Picard Mm. represented the father who I wish I'd had. Mm. Because he he has a kind of masculinity that is, you know, he's embodying those uh, archetypes of the leader, of the diplomat. He can also be the warrior, but he has an emotional dexterity and, you know, he expresses his anger, but he doesn't lose control of it absolutely and he's passionate and he's emotional and you know he feels things and he gets awkward and embarrassed and sometimes just doesn't know what to do with himself and i i realize he's such a good example of healthy masculinity and i'm like can we all have a captain picard in our
1: life yeah and he never dismisses other people's emotions particularly the like the younger The younger people in his crew, like Wesley, he never dismisses Wesley's like mess, you know, anytime he messes up or he feels something, he he actually lets him have that,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: has him talk about it.
0: Yeah. Even when the crew, anyone in the crew, uh, you know, makes a mistake or messes up, he has a lot of tolerance Mm -hmm. and patience with, okay, you're going through an experience. How do we support you in this
1: experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, to have had somebody like him, eh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I'm like, what's what's it going to look like in the future? If it's going to look like Captain Picard, we're going to be okay. all
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I just think, like, well, to bring up media, like, it's just so vital and important that media is shifting along with this. You know, I am a little obsessed with Netflix, just like, Watching so many hours of it because there's so many new things coming out around like respecting humans just in general. And there's really vital messages that are like being really popularized right now in media. And the more that we go forward, I hope we like actually see like more healthy masculinity. And that's actually just the norm in TV shows, you know, as opposed to the exception or that like sexuality or anything that's brought up it's it's handled with like you know consent and sensuality and expression as opposed to like you know what it what is mass media that has been <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and i think yeah. we're in a very special time around that that we're going to see more captain picards so i think we're going to see more diversity of people and healthier connections
0: yeah and i I think as well because we're living in a time where the the media like you know with services like netflix and crave and uh amazon and and all the like the way that media is being created is i think more end Mm -hmm. user driven right because they can really see in real time these are the things that people are are tuning into so let's make more of that Um, it feels like there's an accelerated rate of that, Mm -hmm. that like, since me too came out, like there's so many more themes and so many more, um, meta conversations about it happening within a TV show. And I'm like, (laughs) when was this made? Oh, this was just like two years ago. Wow. Those writers were on it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm really excited about that. And I think, you know,
2: when I, I look at the bigger state of the world, like, oh gosh, okay. Paul politicians and all this stuff is really scary but when I look at like media stats like I think the last time I looked it up um because I'm again obsessed with researching Netflix I think it was 150 no 150 million hours a day around the world are being watched on Netflix like that is more powerful than what's like maybe a political structure in a country (laughs) <laughs> you know, like those messages are going to be shaping a culture more than if a policy gets passed or not.
0: And I think the good thing about, you know, when you see a story play out, it is sometimes easier to grasp concepts than if you're trying to do it in an mm. abstract fashion. Like, you know, if if I'm trying to coach someone like, this is what sadness can feel like and look like. Um, it's one thing to like, coach that is an abstract thing. It's another thing mm. to show them a story that's going to evoke mm-hmm. sadness in them and and allow them to see another character that they maybe resonate with going through that. And then in identifying with that character, maybe find a way to access it mm-hmm. themselves.
2: Totally. And just even representation, you know, like one of my clients was like, oh, my gosh, Jane the Virgin, there's a bisexual on it. I feel so seen. And it's like, <laughs> that's pretty huge, you know, like it's it, like yeah. those things are real. And I like I'm so excited that we're living now to see them. I think it's really exciting. Mm,
1: no kidding. Eh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's come such a long way with so many of that stuff, you know, it, it wasn't too long ago when you would, you know, bisexuals or gay people or whatever would be, you know, like on, on, on those shows, it would be more like, you know, the mysterious person was the bisexual or the weird mm-hmm. person, was, mm-hmm. the, you know, like there was like car, caricatured or something like that. in in some way, and now it's it's uh, you know so many shows. It's just part of the just regular everyday life mm-hmm. as, as it is.
2: Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool.
0: So I'm curious in in each of your individual mm-hmm. work on yourself. I mean, when when we do something as part of our career path, it often will reflect on. <laughs> it will shine the light on our own spaces Hmm. that we need to work on um where are the uh how do i put this where are the places where you find yourself challenged in your relationship to masculinity whoa (laughs) Hmm.
1: with uh okay
0: i can start if you want (laughs) yeah you can start yeah yeah that's great Well, it's, you know, that's part of why I wanted to do this podcast project, because I'm like, I love men. They're so important to me. And sometimes the, I feel like I'm getting driven up the wall and I get annoyed. And I, I think that the the place where I'm getting confronted is, well, actually, there's two places. One is um, a sense of impatience. I I get you know, I, in my mind, I would like it to just be like, okay, so the news reported this thing. So now it's real. So now everyone's going to get it. Right. And uh, when I do things like reach out to festival organizers and be like, Hey, can I come and like offer some consent training for your team? And, and I, it's just crickets. I'm like, so annoyed. Uh, so there's like a kind of impatience there. And I, I realize I totally recognize it's that, I'm making an assumption about where people are at. And I, I don't know how to bridge that gap between like, I'm over here and I've got this kind of picture of the world. And, and I, I don't know how to like get back down to that level. Like I was at a festival recently and there was a, um, and it's a festival I have approached about doing consent stuff and they've done some, but not a whole lot, but like, one of the performers on stage or maybe it was a DJ at that time I didn't really pay attention but there were lyrics in this song that were basically sounded like a guy talking to his girlfriend telling her she has to have sex with him mm-hmm. to prove that she loves him and I was like seriously we're playing this it's, it's 2019 people and I got really mad
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, and and couldn't couldn't believe that no one else didn't have a problem with this in this moment. Although I'm sure there were other people who did. So I think that's, that's the space where I get um, challenged is I would like it to all be better right now.
1: Hmm. <laughs> uh, Do you want to go for it? Sheldon? I'll, I'll go next. I'll go. Sure. I'll go next. Um, okay. I think that where I'm challenged is in, I guess, recognizing that the, the change and, and whatever that looks like has to be like it has to be in me because I'm part of this culture and it's not ever going to be something that I get to in, in terms of like oh here I am I've arrived mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm now a I'm now a, a male man who is you know fully realized and you know fully inclusive and fully all this stuff right because i grew up in this in this world of patriarchal ways of of being and it all all those things continue to be there even if i see them as as not helpful in many ways so i you know i find myself just next thing I know I'm, I'm taking, you know, taking my privilege for granted or, you know, just assuming that I am entitled that because I'm, you know, I don't think about it at the moment, like I'll be in it. And then I'll be like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just doing that thing that that men do. <laughs> and, and here I am doing it. <laughs> and, and, and I don't, Right. necessarily like I don't agree with it but here I am doing it and, and, and I just know that that's going to be just ever present and always there and maybe you know in three months from now the thing that is there right now won't be there anymore but it'll be something else
2: mm. yeah I think it's taking me a long time to respond because I think there's a couple of of things on my mind and heart about that. I think if uh, I'll share a particular story that relates to the conference of last year and what, or I was like, my whole body was like very confused at the moment, but, um, that week, um, the same week as the conference last year, there was a, basically a worldwide media thing about me as a consent captain at a local venue And there was a lot of media about that. It was really overwhelming. And I started noticing or people started telling me that there was a lot of backlash online, which is like, yeah, typical, but there was a lot of hate and anger coming towards me from men and masculine identified Mm -hmm. folks and commenting everything about me that they think they knew But really being horrible to me. And then that same week, (laughs) I was presenting in front of how many masculine folks about consent and healthy relationships. And at one point, I think even in my chat, I disassociated from my body because I just didn't know how to feel safe in the presence of masculine when like online folks are hating me. Mm-hmm. Um and so that was a really particular mm-hmm. moment for me because and I I feel like I burnt out a little bit after that. I think it w- it wasn't until a month and a half later really really but um I think in the line of work that I do it's so centered around intensity and sexualized violence and relationships and uh, really big healing work which is really beautiful but I think it's really me as a person, um, sometimes it's really come hard. Like it's hard to go and work 40 to 70 hours a week on this stuff around masculinity essentially, and then come home and have any energy for myself and my nourishing relationships. Or even I feel too, with this movement in my career, it's been really hard to maintain a lot of my masculine best friends. Like I used to have like 20, 20 best guy friends in my life. And what I've been noticing, and maybe this is an ebb and flow in my life, I'm not too sure. But when after I've worked so hard for the week, you know, in different ways around this stuff, coming home and being like, Oh, I really want to go hang out with like, one of my guy best friends. And I think there's a big sadness for that for me, I think. Like, I really miss my genuine, good, close guy friends who were just like loving me all the time the past how many decades. And I think mm. I'm slowly becoming around to like reconnection in that personal way, because I think the career side kind of like overhauled me a little bit for a while and like I'm so dedicated to working with men for masculine folks all these things and then when I came home I wasn't I didn't have more energy to either work on my own masculine traits or reach out to the people that mean a lot to me because simply they're masculine presenting so I think that that's been really interesting and hard the past few years and I think that I want to like not only continue to do this work, which is so important, but maybe be a little bit more gracious towards myself and reach out to my best friends again and being like, Hey, I miss you. Sorry. I was like AWOL for a while. Um, but it was really hard Mm -hmm. to show up when, you know, being attacked (laughs) from like men in my life, you know, not necessarily those close men, but like men in general, like when I'm out at a venue, I sometimes get attacked by men, you know, like in my line of work, literally. So I think that's maybe my rub right now is how do I hold both of those things? How do I continue to do this beautiful work that I really think I'm meant to do? And also create abundance and connection with the masculine again. Because I think that I have felt that those are two different things when maybe they could be together again.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you both for sharing your pieces. I feel like none of this is stuff that we can do in isolation.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: All right. It's, it's all very relational. We have to do it uh, together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's I think that's pretty essential for for any of this stuff. And and that story, Tanil, that you uh related, uh, I think it emphasizes that. That that to try and do that this kind of work in isolation is 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 really detrimental to, to your individual health. And and that was mm-hmm. like you know, I know, like, I remember that time and that, that, that you know, you were experiencing that and, and, um, you know, there were conversations, but then there was just everything going on. And I mean, I think, I, you, I mean, you tell me, tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong or not, but I know that you had support around you for, like, during that time. And even having that, having whatever support you had, still experienced um, a a feeling of burnout after that kind of um, abuse, uh, like online abuse and and elsewhere abuse. Um, So, yeah, it's essential that we Mm -hmm. have these good relationships and not do any of this stuff in isolation.
2: Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's really important. Yeah,
0: to to add in as well. Like the my impression is, and I I remember going through and reading through the comment section to be like, okay, what's my friend going through mm-hmm. here? Oh goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I think a lot of those trolling comments are coming from men who are in isolation, totally, and and the anger that they exude uh, in the sort of relative anonymity of the internet becomes their only modality of creating connection. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. The only means for connection or provocation and and that's heartbreaking. And so like that, you know, your your strength and your ability to stand up at the conference last year in the midst of everything else that was happening um i think was tremendous mm. and and you know as much as there was challenges in that for you i'm glad that you were still able to be present as much as you were because i think that there is great healing in that in in all of us making that commitment to keep showing up even when people are isolating themselves and mm-hmm. and going into that angry internet troll place
2: totally and I, I I think like I am yeah I think I'm proud of myself for continuing to show up all the time and it, and I know the impacts I hear it all the time as well like the the upside is that you know I walk down the street and someone will be like Oh my gosh, I love your work. Like, you don't know who I am, but you know, that's really important. Or I'll be at an event and actually someone came up to me and said, Hey, I saw you at a reimagining masculinities. And you know what? Your stuff didn't relate to me then. And I didn't know what you were really talking about. But literally, six months later, it all sunk in. And I'm so thankful that you were there and I showed up. And then we had this amazing conversation about how consent is working in his life and what's going on for him. And so, yeah, I think it's mm. like, even when it's really, really hard, it's, it's amazing our capacities to still show up and do this work.
1: That's so cool.
2: Yeah. It's so cool. Like I don't ever not see the, the importance and, you know, and I, I don't excuse the people that were trolling me online, but I definitely understood probably where it's coming from. You know, the sadness and grief of like not understanding where they're belonging in the world. If they can't just go and hit on someone inappropriately, like I get that. That's probably really terrifying. (laughs) Um, And also like, I look forward to like, maybe they got so robust and nervous and angry about that. But maybe that's like very truthful for them. Or maybe in five years, they're going to remember that article and be like, oh, this is maybe what that person was talking about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. That's interesting.
0: <laughs> so the conference is happening again on November 16th, and you've got a full day. Yeah. And what what's what's happening for it? Oh, okay. Well, one
2: thing I was just wanting to say, because we received so many like so much amazing feedback from the last one, but like cr- critical feedback too. And the biggest thing was people wanted more outbreak sessions to co- like converse among themselves. So we're going to do a couple more workshops as opposed to just more speakers. So that's one thing we're going to do. And then, Sheldon, were you going to talk about the other shift mm. maybe?
1: Well, yeah, like we've we've put uh, we've put out a call for abstracts and received a bunch of really interesting uh, ideas. So we're, we'll be uh, I think the the current call for abstracts ends pretty quick, and so we'll we'll be um, sifting through those. And similarly to last year, we kind of like our 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 main. Uh, I guess imposed theme is around um, a masculinity tune-up and so we want to focus on what what can we do next Uh, because last year last conference we kind of talked about what like how did we get to where we're at and now we want to talk about like what are we going to do to move forward and what can what can people do to to handle the stuff that they see in their lives if they want to make some changes and so so that's kind of like the imposed theme but but, and people have submitted abstracts kind of based on that but there'll be a theme that kind of emerges as well from what people uh, what people submit so so yeah a lot uh, more workshop sessions so that people and or and or uh, panels so that because you know it was as you know said it, it really came across across clear from the feedback that we did receive that people wanted more time to talk ask questions have that kind of dialogue back and forth with people who have uh, who who were you know sitting at the front or facilitating or whatever, and um, we we haven't we haven't picked a uh, a keynote address yet, but uh, the, hopefully that'll be coming pretty soon too.
2: Yeah, and we wanted to kind of come in with this idea of like playfulness and a bit more entertainment as well. So you know we're trying to pair up with like what is the idea of a keynote address, and then mm. also like what could be Mm -hmm. an entertainment like someone who's doing something in the arts who's really claiming a beautiful masculinity or something you know when they share with us that experience and then they entertain us through Mm -hmm. music or poetry or whatever it is so we're also looking to like you know maybe have like more um Mm. workshops that are like applicative things like you can go and learn drag makeup or you can go and learn different kind of experiences to like maybe like branch out of what a traditional masculinity is um yeah so i think this year is going to be really interactive oh i I love it (laughs) that's
0: the hope (laughs) i love it and if Um, if people want to get involved in helping the conference happen, how do they do that?
1: Well, they can go to uh, reimaginingmasculinities.com and there are links on there to submit an abstract. There are links, uh, you know, right at the very top left-hand corner. They can click on that and send us an email. There's also a contact form on the website. So, um, yeah, we'd love to... or go to our Facebook page, which is Reimagining Masculinities, and uh, you know, you can contact us that way as well. Um, because we, you know, we we do want to we do want to hear from people. We want to make sure that we have uh, the voices of of as many people as we can get in in the planning and delivering of this conference.
0: I'm excited for it. I am too. <laughs> I have it bookmarked already on my calendar. I'm going to come down for that.
2: Oh, amazing. That's right. yeah. Amazing.
0: I'm also going to tell all my guy friends that they have to be there as well. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Perfect.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's the age old question because we're like trying to be like, how do we get. Not preaching to the <laughs> choir, folks. Like it's always important to have those people there. Yeah. But like, how do we actually connect with other folks in different? Like, I was like, how do we get like sports fans to come? <laughs> you, you
0: need someone from the Canucks to.
2: Be, yeah, be exactly. There. Or maybe
0: reach out to Patrick Stewart. You never know. Maybe actually have Captain Picard there.
2: Sure. <laughs> Yeah, Ooh. Old, then you're definitely <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that'd be so good.
0: <laughs> but I I mean I I I really love that you are thinking that because it's so easy I think with this kind of work to just get into your bubble and not have to leave it. Yeah. And and it becomes mm-hmm. self-reinforcing. Like I see guys who are into, you know, the pickup artistry stuff and all that. And they they're just in a bubble where they think that everyone's thinking that way. And I think that, yeah. On the flip side of it, you can have people who are doing things like, um, you know, Samurai Brotherhood or Man Talks or um, Manology, and like they're in their own little self-reinforcing bubble where they're like, yeah, the change is happening. But yeah, you've got to, there's got to be a way to reach across and have that, that diversity of where people are coming from in their journeys too. So what a, what a wonderful quandary to have to figure out. Yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> it's so great.
1: So great. It really is.
2: Well, I was just going to say that I'm just excited to see where we're all going on this, you know, rock through space. <laughs> and um like I'm yeah, I'm just always inspired by the people that do show up and I'm honored to serve community and I yeah, I look forward to the next steps.
1: Yeah, that's great, and uh, you know, I I would totally echo that, and add for myself as well that I um, you know I I really love that I that I'm a part of this, and that that there are these other folks that are part of the team and want to make this happen, and people like yourself, Mel, who who you know kind of don't don't really know us, but well, you know you know to so I guess that's your connection. But the, the rest of us don't really, you don't really know us, but, you know, you're willing to say, hey, this is like so important that, um, I, I, you know, I want to put this out there and get behind it. And um, I just, yeah, I feel pretty grateful and honored that people like that, like yourself are, are looking at it and saying, this is, a, this is a worthy and worthwhile thing and something we need to, we need to continue to, to move on.
0: Thank you both so much for taking this time to, uh, for this conversation and also for what you're doing. I I really love this idea of reimagining masculinities, plural, and uh, and I'm excited to see what happens this year with the conference and, and also how the conference is going to grow and evolve um, from year to year. It's very exciting. Thank you for having us, Mel.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. It's, it's, uh, it's excellent.
0: The masculinity podcast is made possible by the support of people like you. Please visit my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash masculinity. M a S C U L I N I T E A. Your support means the world to me. And all people who support this podcast get to join our exclusive Facebook group where the conversation continues. Join us next time for more conversations about men, masculinity, and our relationships to them. In the meantime, if you have ideas, questions, or things you'd like me to talk about, give me a shout. Melina at RadicalRelationshipCoaching.ca